it's enough for it to fall into the wrong hands and you're you're basically doomed. All the data that you've ever exchanged online is all of the sudden available to that person, company, government that happened to have access to that quantum computer. Any country can claim quantum computing capabilities in the very near future. And they could beat IBM and Google and other governments as well. We lack a great vision from the government that allow for companies, startups here, to grow locally to a, an international level without needing to be acquired and moving to, to the US or elsewhere. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. Are you a scaling business looking to take your financial management to the next level? Sage Intact is here to help. Sage Intact is a powerful cloud-based financial management system that delivers automation around billing, accounting and reporting. Voted market leaders by G2, Sage Intact is the ideal finance solution to scale your business. Learn more about how Sage Intact can support your growing business at www.sage.co.uk slash intact. Hello and welcome to the UKTM podcast, a weekly chat with the founders of some of the UK's high growth tech companies and other key stakeholders. In this series, we'll be exploring what entrepreneurship looks like in the UK right now, as well as getting tips from some of our most innovative business leaders and discussing the hot topics in the tech world. I'm your host, Jane Wakefield, and I'm joined today by Dr. Ali L. Kafarani, the CEO and founder of PQ Shield. Hello, Ali. Hi, Jane. Thanks a lot for having me. Now, this is a complex topic, and normally at this point I'd introduce the company, but given that your company is post-quantum cryptography, I'm going to leave you to give the explanation as what it is you do. Excellent. Yes. So PQ Shield is a cybersecurity company specializing in post-quantum cryptography, protecting data from today's attacks while helping organizations modernize the cryptography for the quantum threat. And by that, I mean the art of building encryption methods that rely on mathematics that is still difficult to crack even with the presence of a quantum computer. So we're going to have to now explain what quantum computing is. So give it a go that you think will will make people understand because it's a quite a hard concept to get your head around, isn't it, quantum computing? Absolutely. And I should also make it clear that I am not a physicist. I'm a mathematician. So... I'll explain it my way. Basically, quantum computer or quantum computing is a shift paradigm, is a paradigm shift when it comes to classical computers that we're used to, that we use as laptops, as desktops, etc. that we rely really on Turing machine that we must have heard of. And basically, the fact that you can store information in the form of bits, zero or one. And quantum computing, the first major difference between quantum computing and classical computing is the fact that we use different means to store information. And by this, we mean quantum bit or qubit. And that quantum bit is a combination of zero and one is a superposition between zero and one. And therefore, 
with certain probability it could be zero, with certain probability it could be one, whenever you want to read the qubit. And even more importantly, and as a another major difference between quantum computing and classical computer, in a classical computer, you store bits next to each other, zero, one, zero, one. These bits don't interact. Whereas when it comes to quantum computing, those qubits do interact. And the way they interact, they can make certain problems a lot easier to solve. And that is the major difference between quantum computing and classical computing. So these computers are going to be much more powerful and change you know, the way we go about doing things in, in radical ways. But with that comes the concern of something that's called Q-Day, a day when quantum computers will be able to break current encryption methods. And that means effectively, doesn't it, that they will be able to break the internet as we know it and everything that's on it from financial transactions to our messages on WhatsApp to kind of medical records. So this is quite a scary scenario. What is it that you're doing that's trying to be one step ahead of the game, as it were? That's a very good question. So what's happening, as I said, cryptography is all about hiding confidential data or basically providing the confidentiality, data integrity and authenticity that we used to have before the digitization uh, you know that we were enjoying at the moment, and now we want to have them, but in a digital world. So cryptography is the mathematical tool that allows you to exchange data confidentially, encrypt it. That allows you to digitally sign data. So make you make sure that data integrity is preserved, and you can authenticate yourself when you're signing into a certain account or accessing your bank account. So cryptography is at the heart of all of this. Without cryptography, you can't have any of those features. And cryptography relies on mathematics, namely math problems that are difficult to crack. And the way we build encryption methods is we build encryption methods based on those mathematical problems for a reason so that we can measure the difficulty of that encryption method. And the harder the math problem that it relies on, the more difficult to crack. That is the point of using mathematics underlying cryptography. Prior to that, there used to be lots of tricks that people used to hide information, but they were all breakable. Every time people come up with something, soon after you come up with a way to to decrypt it. And the only way to basically have any sort of assurance that it's indeed secure is by actually measuring its difficulty using mathematics. Problem is, mathematics and any other problem, if you want to measure its difficulty, then you have to define what computing model you are, you know, uh, using to to actually try to crack it. And whilst all the math problems that underlie current cryptography are perfectly secure and difficult to crack on all classical computers, including supercomputers, they they happen to be easy to solve on a quantum computer. We've known this since 1994, when Peter Shaw came up with an algorithm that can solve mathematical problems underlying them. And 20 years after that, intelligence agencies, including NSA and GCHQ and others, identified quantum computing as a real threat to cybersecurity, as in the advancement in quantum computing, companies and governments throwing a lot of billions of dollars to build an actual quantum computer 
fully functioning and scalable quantum computer. This made the risk of having a quantum computer that can break encryption methods a real threat. And the US government led the charge to use different mathematics to build encryption methods that are still difficult to crack, even with the presence of a quantum computer. So the, the same concept of a cryptography we're still using uh, now, and we call it post-quantum cryptography. What we're changing is the underlying mathematics from something that is easy to break on a quantum computer to something that is still believed to be difficult to crack even on a quantum computer. It feels a little bit that you're putting the cart before the horse in a way, because we don't have any working quantum computers yet. Nobody's quite sure when we will have them. So how do you go about making the maths hard enough that it can't be cracked when we don't even know what these machines will look like, how they will even be built? That's an excellent question, Jane. Thanks for asking it. So basically, if we didn't know how quantum computer works, we wouldn't be able to uh, to try to build it. So we, we must know first, by definition, how quantum computing works. And this is like when we had, you know, the Turing machine theory before we had a classical computer. So we know since 1980s, by the research done by Richard Feynman and other great uh, uh, physicists, how to build a quantum computer and how a com- quantum computer will work. We know how they work. We know how to build an algorithm that can run on a quantum computer. So now, without any quantum computer, you you have no obstacle to build any algorithm that can try to solve any problem that you wish to solve. You don't need a quantum computer. And that's why since 1994, we knew that there is an actual algorithm that if run on a quantum computer, it will break cryptography. So we don't need to have a quantum computer. And the fact that you're mitigating against a risk, then it doesn't make sense to wait until you have that risk materializing in front of you to actually mitigate. So so you have to start from now by relying on mathematics where there are no known algorithms for it to be solved any more efficiently on a quantum computer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. But nobody's yet convinced that quantum computers are going to be widespread. Yes, there's lots of people working on them and lots of organizations looking at them. But do you yet have the sort of sense, enough of a sense that this is going to be so widespread that you actually need to build an entire new system to protect data on them? You don't need it to be widespread as a threat. You just think that it might fall into the wrong hands. It's enough for it to fall into the wrong hands and you're you're basically doomed. All the data that you've ever exchanged online is all of the sudden available to that person, company, government that happen to have access to that quantum computer. And all the data that we ever exchanged as individual governments and corporates will become readable to that you know, party. A quick message from our sponsor. Are you a scaling business looking to take your financial management to the next level? Sage Intact is here to help. Sage Intact is a powerful cloud-based financial management system that delivers automation around billing, accounting and reporting. Voted market leaders by G2, Sage Intact is the ideal finance solution to scale your business. Learn more about how Sage Intact can support your growing business at www.sage.co.uk slash intact. So we've seen 
places like the US National Institute of Standards and Technology looking at this quantum leap, excuse the pun, in the way that we need to protect our data. And they've come up with some new possibilities. Are these possibilities, because they're not being tested in the real world yet, can we be sure that they're going to work? That is why we standardize cryptography. That is why we don't rely on just a particular company coming up with a particular algorithm and, hey, everybody go and use that algorithm. So at PQ Shield here, we have a team of 35 cryptographers and mathematicians who were working together with NIST on designing those algorithms for the past nine years. And together with a lot of other researchers and mathematicians worldwide. So it's a lengthy process that you take your time testing all those algorithms. And that's why some of them got broken along the way. Some of them got weakened, ruled out, etc. And you only eventually standardize those algorithms that the overwhelming majority of the cryptography community worldwide believes that they are secure and they did not manage to break them. There is no bulletproof security for when it comes to cryptography or cybersecurity in general. It's all a matter of making it too expensive for anyone to break. That's that's basically the, the rule here. So anyone who's selling any perfectly secure product doesn't know about cybersecurity. Now, talking of money, you raised $20 million last year. What's the next stage for you? Are you going to raise more money? What's your plans for the sort of rest of this year? We did actually, yes, raise $20 million last year that was led by Addition. And that took us from 10 employees to 50 at PQ Shield and having 50 people working from 10 countries at the moment. So we are working at an international level also to have contributed to all the standards that were announced by NIST. So NIST announced four algorithms last year that will replace RSA and Elliptica cryptographies, the current standards, and will become the international standards for cryptography. And PQ Shield managed to have co-designed the four algorithms um, that were announced by, by NIST. So in a way, last year was a great success for us in terms of our ability to attract great talents worldwide and to have uh, one really big when it comes to the NIST uh, standards. And also in terms of commercialization by announcing major customers uh, such as Microchip and uh, Raytheon Collins Aerospace and, and others. Now, as a startup, the likelihood that you will raise money is always high, especially that was Series A and not Series D. So, Next step for us is to strengthen our products to continue to support NIST and the additional calls for digital signatures that they announced right away after they they announced the four algorithms for last year in, in July, and to which we are submitting multiple candidates again as schemes that we designed here at PQ Shield. In terms of uh, commercialization, is basically to strengthen our position in, in the market as a clear leader of post-quantum cryptography products, both for software and hardware. You mentioned a couple of actual customers there. You know, what is it that's drawing certain business sectors to actually start looking and adopting quantum cryptography at this pretty early stage? Think about it. You've got a cybersecurity supply chain, those who sit 
high up in the supply chain where they actually manufacture the device, the chip, and those who sit, you know, eventually at the application layer. And you also have those who have products with long lifespan, product with long production cycle, and data exchanged with high sensitivity that requires long confidentiality uh, terms. So those who sit high up in the supply chain need to move early on because they have to unlock the rest of the supply chain. Those who sit high up in the supply chain need to build a chip that can understand post-quantum cryptography. So when that chip goes to the Cisco and the Palo Alto of the world, those companies can actually benefit from the post-quantum capabilities and start using it for applications, etc. So they need to start early on. And defense sector companies, governments, of course, are among those that have products for that have long life span, also data of high sensitivity that require long, long confidentiality. So is it going to mean that we have to build hardware differently? No. The great thing about post-quantum cryptography is the fact that it relies on mathematics. Yes, it is different mathematics, but we don't need to build hardware differently. We just need to build different hardware, as in like same same processor that we used to build. Like we've got CPUs, we've got GPUs that you definitely have heard of how to do generic operations on a PC or graphics operation. We've always had mathematical processors that sit in your bank card, that sit in your laptop, etc., which are basically used to encrypt data or to do digital signatures. The reason why you have such specialized processors is the fact that you can make sure that it performs certain mathematical operations a lot faster and in a secure way. Those mathematical operations are now different. So we're building different coprocessors, but using same technology, as in there is no hardware, there is no quantum hardware or anything quantum here. It's just same ways that we built hardware, except that we're building it for different mathematics, we're speeding up different mathematics, we're making the uh, computation for this mathematics more secure. That's it. So, so for instance, with something I'm thinking of a particularly leaky sector, which is internet-connected devices, which seem to be very easily hacked into and broken into. How would this new era of cryptography help in making those more secure? What we're doing now with the post-quantum era starting is more than just an algorithm replacement. It's really the beginning of a proper modernization of our cryptographic infrastructure. And for that, we just published as PQ Shield a very cool white paper on modernization of cryptography, which will help many stakeholders, including the ones that you mentioned in network and security, to understand what they can do to modernize their cryptography, where they need to look to understand uh, how, how to start the post-quantum era. So basically, there are different ways to modernize or different layers of cryptography modernization that starts from the very low hardware level up to the application layer. And the way to do it is you want to have the maximum agility and flexibility in your products so that tuning the parameters of a certain encryption method or even replacement of future replacement of any algorithms can happen a lot more easier than what we're struggling with now with algorithms that we've been using for the past 40 years, taking them for granted, thinking that will last forever. 
So that's basically what we're trying to do. And for the example that, that you mentioned, there are security switches, etc., that come with different flavors. Different flavors, some are ASIC, like already taped out in silicon that cannot be programmed. And there are those that are in ASIC, but it's sort of FPGA. It's programmable hardware where you can reprogram the, um, the chip. And depends on which one you have. If you have the programmable one, you can upgrade the hardware there because it's, an, it's a soft IP. You can upgrade the FPGA fabric. If it's an ASIC, like taped out with no flexibility, then they need to change it basically and, and have a different one that has post-quantum capabilities. So obviously this is very game-changing and it's not just hardware developers and software developers that need to think about this, it's governments as well. And the UK has recently announced its quantum strategy. Unsurprisingly, as it does with pretty much every technology, it's uh, claimed it wants to lead the sector and it's funded it to the tune of £2.5 billion. What do you make of its strategies? Does it go far enough? Is it providing enough money? It's all about execution. So we're really hoping that they're going to execute well. I think it's got lots of great ideas there and a good money to start with, with this project, but it's all about execution, right? So if they execute well or, or not, we really hope that they will. That's a, an excellent technological field for the UK to excel at. And we've got everything we need here from great universities, great researchers to great startup ecosystem. I don't think we lack any of that. But we lack a great vision from the government that allow for companies, startups here to grow locally to a, an international level without needing to be acquired and moving to, to the US or elsewhere. Right? So I think strengthening the position, uh, the startup position here in the, in the UK should be a top priority for the UK government to excel at quantum computing because quantum computing is not something that has to happen, you know, as a breakthrough to the likes of IBM or Google or et cetera. It could be the smallest startup that will come up with the most efficient way to scale quantum computers. And you mentioned staff earlier. Do you have enough people, skilled people in the UK to employ? Because I think you mentioned that you, you, you've got a workforce that goes around the world. So do we have the right people coming out of our universities to make this new industry work? We have great talents. The question is, do we have enough? I don't think that the world has enough. I don't think that we're, we're there yet. And I wouldn't just take it against uh, us here in the UK. I think in the whole world, talents, when it comes to quantum computing and post-quantum cryptography, um, the, the pool of talent is very limited and a lot has to happen to make sure that in the next five and 10 years, we look back and we see a great progress and we see us in a better place. And that is basically one of the reasons for the new budget. Now, quantum has a lot of parallels with AI insofar as, you know, this is something that is happening around the world. And yet we've seen geopolitics really cutting through the sector like a knife with AI. It's concerns that, you know, we might be rushing it out, but if we don't rush it out, other nations are still going to rush it out. How big a role does geopolitics play in quantum? Is there a global arms race, especially with China, in terms of developing these machines? Absolutely. I mean, that's why intelligence agencies started the whole idea of post-quantum cryptography 
becoming standards. And that's why the U.S. government had a, you know, White House memo last year about transitioning to post-quantum cryptography in February that turned into an actual legislation by as of December last year that has a fixed timeline to transition to post-quantum cryptography. So it's a, a national security matter. And NCSC and GCHQ are here in the UK will follow suit and will publish something in the second half of the year, basically to specify how, as a country, will transition to post-quantum cryptography. And this basically gives you an example that there is definitely a race to build a an actual quantum computer that is scalable. And when it comes to quantum computing, I don't think there is a country that is clearly leading the way there. And it could happen anywhere, which is concerning, right? It's like any, any country can claim quantum computing capabilities in the very near future. And they could beat IBM and Google and other governments as well. So that is why we're trying to mitigate the threat that comes from quantum computing before looking at the applications because you still have time for the applications, but you're already too late for the threat for mitigating the the threat that comes with quantum computing. The other parallel, I guess, with AI is that it's still kind of at the research stage. And AI, a few decades ago, went through something called the AI winter when nothing much happened. That's talked about with quantum too. Do you think that's that's a possibility or are you convinced that in a few years' time we'll be talking about quantum in the same way we're talking about AI this year? The incentive is really high for those who are trying to build quantum computers, which is much bigger than than AI in my in my opinion. And therefore, in particular when it comes to national security and, and cybersecurity in general. And therefore, I wouldn't see anyone stopping, you know, or not investing enough in quantum computer to or quantum computing to get to the phase where they have an actual quantum computer, because they all know that everyone is trying and nobody's going to just believe that others have stopped. So they must stop. Right. It's uh, it's a different ballgame than AI. Uh, to me, AI is not metaverse, but it's not quantum computing. OK, so you sit in a more stable position than either of those two, do you? Yeah, Metaverse is like, you know, uh, lasted for a few weeks, right? (laughs) (laughs) Then uh, you have quantum computing, which is something that is very serious and has been happening for the past 20 years constantly. AI had ups and and downs. And now, again, it's becoming a very uh, competitive thing between large companies. I don't think that we are in the at the beginning of the bubble for when it comes to AI. I think we're, we're somewhere close to knowing what it can and it cannot do. Soon we will know what it cannot do. So um, now there's a lot of optimism about what the great things that it will do. I guess at some point people will settle and understand what it can and what it cannot do and what it should not do. And when do you think that we will see quantum computers as standard in, in our society? Are you prepared to put a sort of prediction line on that? I don't think that you will see quantum laptops or quantum desktops anytime soon. That's not in a decade or two decades, probably more. And probably it's not going to be needed because quantum computers are not better at everything than classical computers. Classical computers can do their job perfectly fine. Quantum computers are particularly good at quantum simulation, which will be used by drug companies, drug discovery companies, etc. 
and in a lot of other places, but it's not going to be useful for individuals. So you're not going to see it there. Question is, when are we going to see that first quantum computer um, that will be useful or scalable? I don't think it's going to happen in one uh, in one shot. I don't think that we're going to wake up one day and say, oh, we now have a quantum computer. I think it's going to happen over a certain period of time with different milestones being hit by, by those engineering teams that are working on it and announcing their results. And I would not be surprised at all if we see such a scalable quantum computer before the end of this decade. Fascinating stuff, but I'm afraid that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of the UKTN podcast. Many thanks to my guest, Dr. Ali El Kafarani, and to everyone listening. I hope that you've learned a little bit more about quantum. I know that I have. To keep up to date with all the latest UK tech developments, head over to www.uktech.news. Don't forget to follow UKTN on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you can get in touch with me via those platforms at Jane Wakefield with your comments and suggestions about the show. Until next time, goodbye from me. Are you a scaling business looking to take your financial management to the next level? Sage Intact is here to help. Sage Intact is a powerful cloud-based financial management system that delivers automation around billing, accounting and reporting. Voted market leaders by G2, Sage Intact is the ideal finance solution to scale your business. Learn more about how Sage Intact can support your growing business at www.sage.co.uk intact.